Wednesday night, Wednesday night. But uh, I appreciate Sunday night church and Sunday night saints. Amen. Amen. Yeah, you know, Sunday night, I, you know, one preacher said, one preacher said here a while back, and this was a preacher that always had Sunday night church and decided to cancel it. And he said, well, you know, Sunday night church, it's just a tradition anyway. Well, it's a good tradition. But, but, you know, Jesus appeared to the disciples. You remember when he appeared to the disciples and Thomas wasn't there and he missed it? It was on Sunday night. Yeah, it was on Sunday night. <laughs> it was. It really was. It was on a Sunday night. So, amen. So that just goes to show you that if you miss Sunday night, you're liable to miss something. Amen. You're liable to miss something. Amen. Uh, prayer meetings, and Brother Andy mentioned prayer meetings. Uh, Tuesday prayer meeting at 11 o'clock, and then Saturday. We had two. No, 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 no prayer meeting Saturday. We have a baby shower Saturday. All right, no prayer meeting Saturday, but we will be here Tuesday. And um, But we had two great prayer meetings this week. Man, they were awesome. So uh, come and be a part of prayer. Amen. Come and be a part of our prayer meetings. And if you can, you know, you, and I've told you this before, if, you're, if you just can come by for 15 or 20 minutes or, or whatever to come in and pray a while, and if you have to leave, that's fine. Brother Eric came over from, uh, from his, on his lunch hour and uh, spent some time in prayer. Then he had to leave a little early to go back to work. But I appreciate that when people do that. And uh, we'll take the time to come and pray. We need prayer. How many agree with that? Amen. Wednesday night, we want to encourage you to be here. And getting into some heavy stuff on Wednesday night, Revelation chapter 17. We'll be talking about the, uh, I've got a lot of studying to do in the next couple of days. We'll be talking about Mystery Babylon, the great harlot which is the religious system of the Antichrist and of the world government during the tribulation before, before the uh, Antichrist uh, sets up his, his um, uh, image in the, um, in the temple and demands to be worshipped and everything's turned to beast worship. So we'll be talking about that religious system uh, and uh, some of those things. So come on Wednesday night if you have CDs. Uh, that you're getting. They're back there on the table. I think most everyone's got those. So uh, praise God. Come to be a part of every service that you can. The Bible says that to come so much more as you see the day approaching, the day being the day of the Lord, the coming of the Lord. So come so much more. Turn in your Bibles to Joshua chapter number 24. I'm going to read a little bit more scripture than normal tonight and uh, preach just for a few moments and um, tonight um, and try to share some things, encourage you a little bit from the Lord, uh, from the Word of the Lord. But in Joshua chapter number 24, and I'm going to begin reading with verse 1, Joshua number chapter number 24 and verse 1, the very last chapter in the book of Joshua, and it says this, then Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and called for the elders of Israel, for their heads, for their judges, for their officers. And they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord God of Israel. Now Joshua was a prophet of God. 
He said, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers, including Terah, the father of Abraham and the father of Nahor, dwelt on the other side of the river in old times, and they served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from, from the other side of the river, led him throughout all the land of Canaan, and multiplied his descendants and gave him Isaac. To Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau, and to Esau I gave the mountains of Seir to possess. But Jacob and his children went down to Egypt. Also I sent Moses and Aaron, and I plagued Egypt according to what I did among them. Afterwards I brought you out. Then I brought your fathers out of Egypt, and you came to the sea, and the Egyptians pursued your fathers with chariots and horsemen to the sea. So they cried out to the Lord, and he put darkness between you and the Egyptians, brought the sea upon them, and covered them. And your eyes saw what I did in Egypt. Then you dwelt in the wilderness a long time. And I brought you into the land of the Amorites, who dwelt on the other side of Jordan, and they fought with you. But I gave them into your hand, that you might possess their land, and I destroyed them before you. Then Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, rose to make war against Israel and sent and called Balaam, the son of Beor, to curse you. But I would not listen to Balaam. Therefore he continued to bless you. So I delivered you out of his hand. Then you went over the Jordan and came to Jericho, and the men of Jericho fought against you. Also the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Girgashites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. All the ites were there. But I delivered them into your hand. And I sent the hornet before you, which drove them out from before you, also the two kings of the Amorites. But not with your sword or with your bow, I have given you the land for which you did not labor, and cities which you did not build. And you dwelt in them. You eat of the vineyards and the olive groves which you did not plant. Now therefore fear the Lord. Serve him in sincerity and in truth. And put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. Well, there's a lot I could preach on in those 14 verses tonight. Uh, but uh, I want to draw your attention to, uh, to that seventh verse where God said that he said in verse 7, So they cried to the Lord, and he put darkness between you and the Egyptians brought the sea over them and covered them, and your eyes saw what I did to Egypt. In that last phrase, he said, Then you dwelt in the wilderness a long time. In the wilderness a long time. Hallelujah. Father, thank you for your word tonight, and I pray that you will uh, help me to minister to your church, to your people. I'm asking you to give me the words to say and open our hearts to receive what you would have us to receive that we will be strengthened and encouraged in the name of Jesus. And everybody said amen and amen. Of course, as you know here in this 24th chapter, Joshua is giving the farewell address 
his farewell address to Israel, and he's gathered together all of the heads of Israel, and they have come to present themselves before God. And in this passage, and I didn't read the whole chapter, but in this particular chapter, Joshua's giving the historical account of Israel in which God reviewed his past blessings upon his people. Uh, He brought them out. And all through this chapter, if you'll notice, he's telling them, he's reminding them of what he has done for them. He told them how he brought them out of Ur of the Chaldees in verse 2 and 4. He told them how he had brought them out of Egypt in verses 5 through 7. And how he had brought them into Canaan there in verses 8 through number 13. And it was God who spoke in this recapitulation of Israel's history And uh, 18 times in the passage of Scripture that we read, I believe around 18 times, he uses, God uses the personal pronoun I. He talked about how I took and I gave and I have done and I have sent. I have afflicted and I brought, I delivered, I destroyed. So any greatness that Israel achieved was not by her own effort, but it was through the grace and the enablement of God. I think that's something that we need to understand and realize today too. I hear people sometimes talk about, well, I've done this and I've done that. But you know, we haven't done anything. Anything worth boasting about, Paul said, let my boasting be in the Lord. He said, I'm going to boast in the cross of Christ. So anything that we can, uh, that, w- that good that has happened in our life, any, any greatness that we have uh, in our life, we must give that credit that is due to the Lord. It's Him that has done that. But from the beginning to the end of Israel's conquest, deliverances, prosperity, um, all that they had was because of the good mercies of God, and it was not of their own making. And in verse number 7, then God makes a statement about His people, and He says concerning their wilderness journey. He talks about them being in the wilderness. Everybody knows the story, don't you, of the children of Israel in the wilderness. And God just makes that statement there. He's talking about them going into the wilderness, and He said, You dwelt in the wilderness a long time. The King James says, you dwelt in the wilderness a long season. And they did 40 years in the wilderness. And God said that was a long time or a long season to spend in the wilderness. And there's many times in our life, all through our life, we face wilderness experiences. We've all been there at one time or another. But sometimes people, sometimes it seems like like that we are experiencing wilderness a wilderness season or an experience for a longer period of time than is necessary. I don't know if any of you all have ever felt like that before, but you've felt like that you've been in a wilderness and you're wondering, when is this going to be over? Lord, it's been a long time. I'm ready for a breakthrough. I'm ready for victory, you know. And you have the victory, but sometimes it just doesn't appear to be manifested in our life. But the wilderness 
experience is a part of our lives as believers. In the wilderness, when we're in the wilderness, it's a time for us to learn faith. It's a time for us to learn how to believe God and learn how to trust the Lord. It was the will of the Lord, and I want you to get this. It was the will of the Lord for Israel to spend a short time in the wilderness, a short season or a short period of time in the wilderness. They were to go from Mount Sinai through the wilderness and into the promised land. What was that, an 11-day journey or something, I believe? An 11-day journey, but they turned the 11-day journey into a 40-year journey in the wilderness. They wound up spending all that time, 40 long years in the wilderness when they could have been in Canaan. That was a long time. That was a long season. Can you say amen? Well, you know, we have seasons in our life, just like the seasons in, you know, in the climate. We have winter and summer and spring and fall, different seasons, and those seasons bring different temperatures and all of that. Different things happen, and we have different seasons that we go through in our spiritual life, in our walk with the Lord. I wish that, you know, wouldn't it be great? If living for God, we could just live in the summertime season all the time. Praise God. At a perfect temperature all the time. Amen. And just everything, the sun is shining and the trees are budding and blooming and the flowers are so beautiful and the grass is green. And if you didn't have to cut it, that'd really be wonderful. Amen. Praise God. But if we could just live in that season of life, in our spiritual life. But we all go through those seasons. And tonight, if you happen to be in a wilderness experience and maybe if you've been there for a long season I really do believe that God wants to bring you through that and bring you out of that wilderness experience yeah there's some times that we go through the wilderness we're going to have those experiences I mentioned here a while back you know that that we we all have dry spells in our life we go through those dry spells and 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 but we but we don't live in that. We need to come through that, and God wants us to bring us through that. Now, God does have a purpose for the wilderness. When we have to go through that period of wilderness journeyings, Amen. When we have to spend a season there, God has a purpose for that. He had a purpose for the children of Israel in the wilderness. And in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 8, In verses 2 and 3, the Lord said this concerning Israel and said this to them. He said, and you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness. So he led them all the way, okay, for 40 years. He never forsook them there. He led them 40 years in the wilderness. And notice this, to humble you and test you and to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So he humbled you. He allowed you, allowed you to hunger and fed you with manna which you did not know or didn't, or, or, nor did your fathers know that he might make you to know that man shall not live by bread alone but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Now the wilderness you know is never a pre- pleasant place. If you'll go down and read verse 15 of that 8th uh, chapter of Deuteronomy 
Deuteronomy, he said that that wilderness was a place of fiery serpents. It was a place of scorpions. It was a place of drought. It was a place of no water. And so it wasn't a pleasant place to be. And many times this world that we're living in is not a pleasant place to be. We face enemies in this world. Come on, amen? But it was the place where, but it is the place where we learn something. When we're in that wilderness, we learn total dependence on God. It's sort of a training ground that that we go through. And the sad thing is there are a lot of people that never make it. They never make it through that wilderness experience. Listen to what Peter said in his epistle, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. And he's writing to some persecuted Christians, believers that are going through some difficult times. And Peter says in in that epistle, 1 Peter 1 and 6, and he says, In this you greatly rejoice. Uh, Though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise and honor and glory at the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Has anybody ever felt like that you've, you've been just been going through the fire that your faith is being tested by fire and we all go through those seasons of manifold temptation we go through those times of testing we experience the trying and the testing of our faith and let me tell you something our faith if you have faith tonight you you know people say well I've got all the faith in the world well that's good because if you do it's going to be tested great faith is tested greatly great great faith is tested and it's, it's in the times that our faith is tested, that it's proven. The genuineness of that faith is proven. The, the trying of your faith is much more precious, or the, the genuineness of that faith is proven in the fire and in the wilderness and in the times of testing. See, ladies and gentlemen, in that time of blessing, I mean, when the meal barrel's full and everything's going good and we have all of our bills paid and everything's fine and our body's well and our wallet's full and we're healthy and well, there's a tendency to become a little bit self-sufficient and get to a place where we no longer really depend upon the Lord and we think, well, I can just coast through life. I can just coast through. But there are times that God allows us to go through a season in the wilderness to humble us. What does it mean to be humble? What does it mean to be humble? It doesn't mean to be broke. It doesn't mean to be poor. Amen. Some people got the idea years ago that uh, you had to be poor to be humble and that's not true. You do have to uh, be reliant upon the Lord. Humility is just submitting yourself to the Lord, yielding yourself to the Lord, depending upon the Lord in every area of your life. And God allows those seasons in the wilderness as He did with the children of Israel to humble us and to teach us to trust Him and to depend upon Him. 
It's easy to believe when everything's going well, when the sun is shining and everything's bright in our life. It's easy to praise the Lord. It's easy to believe the Lord. It's easy to exercise and exhibit faith. But boy, when we're in that wilderness and things are going on and the serpents and the scorpions are there and we and the and the, the drought is spiritual drought is there and things are going on in our life that we just don't understand. That's when you've got to reach down and with your faith get a hold of God and believe Him. When you can't see the end, when you can't feel the victory, when you don't know how it's going to turn out, you've got to believe God in those times of wilderness travel and know that God will bring you through. See, God wants us to trust Him. God wants us to believe in Him. God wants us to stand upon His Word. God wants us, as I preached this morning, to run to that strong tower and find a place of refuge in the midst of our storms in life. Amen? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So when you're in that wilderness, the only alternative that we have is what the children of Israel had. It's either trust Him or complain. I'll just stop for a minute, take my breath. (laughs) But that's the truth. And what do we find them doing for 40 years most of the time? Complaining. Amen. I think we all probably have done that at one time or another. And we have to repent of that and say, I'm sorry, Lord, that I complained. I'm trusting you. Can I say this? Can I just throw this in? It's not my notes, but I'm going to throw it in there. If it's all right, well, it's all right then. Good. Amen. You can't be complaining and trusting at the same time. You can't be complaining and believing at the same time. Anytime we're complaining, believe me, I have to do my share of repenting. Amen. Because anytime we're complaining, because it just seems, you know, that's what the flesh wants to do when we're going through situations that we don't understand is complain. If things are not going our way, we want to complain about it. But we can either complain or we can trust, but we can't do both at the same time. See, it's in the wilderness, folks, that you can't provide for yourself. You can't provide for yourself. You can't be self-sufficient and you must depend upon Him and not yourself. It's in the wilderness that we learn that God will always take care of us and that God will never leave us or forsake us. And it may look like at times that we're not going to make it, but He will always see us through. I've been through some things. Vicki and I have been through some things where we didn't know if we were going to make it or not. In pastoral ministry, in the last 20 years, we've went through situations we didn't know. We didn't know. I mean, we, we, we knew in our heart that God was going to do something. But man, looking at the situation, you think, how are we going to make it? How are we going to get through? But it was in those times. Somebody needs to say amen tonight. It was in those times that God come through and He showed 
notice that if we would trust him, he'd bring us through the wilderness. Hallelujah. It tested our faith. It, it proved the genuineness of our faith. And your faith will be tested. But let me tell you something. Hold on to that faith. Don't give in. Praise God. Keep on. Believe in him. Even when you're in that wilderness experience, give the Lord a hand clap of praise tonight. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. There again in Deuteronomy 8 when he talked about allowing them to hunger and he, he, he wanted to make them know that, that, that man doesn't live by bread alone. He went on to say in verse 4 of Deuteronomy 8, he reminded them, this is Moses in Deuteronomy, and he said, your garments did not wear out. Every time I read this, I want to get a shouting spell because he said, your garments did not wear out on you, nor did your foot swell these 40 years. What is he saying? They wore the same clothes for 40 years. They wore the same shoes for 40 years. They didn't have a Kohl's. Hallelujah. They didn't have a Walmart. They didn't have, a, you know, a, a, any kind of a, a grocery store, a Schnooks or a Deerberg's or anything else. But God provided for them for 40 years. He fed them with the manna that they would know that man doesn't live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds of the mouth of God. He gave them water from the rock. Hallelujah. That rock followed them everywhere they went and rivers of water flowed from that rock to feed, to, to slake the thirst of those three million or so people and all of their cattle, all of their livestock, God took care of them. Hallelujah. Every morning God was so faithful that they'd come out of their, 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 their tents and dwelling places every morning. And every morning except for the Sabbath day, there was manna all over the place. They had plenty to eat. Hallelujah. The clothes they put on those babies, I don't know exactly how this works, but you can't figure out the miracle work and power of God. But I'm telling you, He's a miracle worker. Come on somebody. Hallelujah. The clothes they put on them little ones when they were born, they went through that, that wilderness for 40 years and still had the same duds on 40 years later. The same shoes on 40 years later. Hallelujah. God just stretched the clothes out and grew the clothes and grew the shoes as they went along. My Lord, if God do that today, I'd have a lot more room in my closet. Hallelujah. Woo, we got a couple of pair of shoes. I got a few too, so. Amen. Vicky's looking at me. Hallelujah. But listen to this. Deuteronomy 8, still there, verse 15. He said, Who led you through that great and terrible wilderness? Verse 16. Who fed you in the wilderness with manna? which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and that he might test you, notice this, to do you good in the end. 
Ooh, I feel that tonight. Oh, hallelujah. That was the purpose of God all through it, that he might test you and do you good in the end. Let me tell you something. If you remain faithful to the Lord in the wilderness, and we're going to talk a little bit here in just a minute about the long season, but if you're faithful to God in that time of testing, if you're faithful to the Lord and you, you keep your faith anchored in him, you continue to believe him and praise him, I'm telling you, it's going to work out for the good, for your good in the end. We talked about this morning the goodness of God, how good that he is. That is one of his attributes. That's part of his character that's made known in his name, that he is abundant in goodness. Amen? Some people get mad at you when you tell them God's a good God. And, uh, you know, here recently there was a young lady. She doesn't go here to church. She's went here before, but but uh, she she was she had a uh, miscarriage and she lost a baby and she began to message me for prayer. She was really upset and she wanted to get back in church and wanted to come back to church. And I told her, you know, to come and 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 we'd be here for her. And then she made the statement and she said, "I don't know why me. I don't know why God took my baby." And there's others out here, you know, that uh, that that are doing this and this and God doesn't take their baby but God took my baby and I messaged her back and I said God didn't take your baby God's not in the in in the baby taking business and and she said well I don't understand that so I explained it to her I said the Bible says that the thief comes to kill to steal and to destroy Jesus said I've come that you might have life and that you might have life more abundantly and do you know what and and I tried to explain to her, we're living. And then why did this happen, she said. I said, we're living in a fallen world. We're living in a world that's full of evil spirits, full of demons, a world that is under the sway of the wicked one. The Bible says that the world, that the world is, is uh, all the whole world lies in wickedness. We're in a wicked world. And I said, bad things happen even to good people. Amen. Bad things happen to good people, but it's not God doing it. There's a devil out there. There's an enemy out there. And do you know what? I was trying to tell her about the goodness of God because it seems like everything, some, every time something bad happens, people want to blame God. God is not the problem. Is it? Can I get a witness here tonight? God is not the problem with this world. It's not what is to be, will be. God is not the problem. God is a good God. God wants good for your life. He wants good in your end. Come on. Do you know what? She got mad at me and, and stopped messaging me. Has nothing else to do with me because I told her God was a good God. Go figure. But he said to do you good in the end. The end result the end result is to test you and do you good in the end. God gives us a wonderful promise that everybody's familiar with in Isaiah 43 and 2. He says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. 
And when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and neither shall the flame scorch you. Hallelujah. See, God will allow you to spend some time in the wilderness. Now listen to what I'm getting ready to say. God will allow you to spend some time in the wilderness. But too often, we are there longer than He intends for us to be. What caused Israel to spend a long season in the wilderness? Why were they in the wilderness for a long time when it was, when it was God's will for them to be in Canaan? Why was that? Amen. People say, well, everything that happens is the will of God. That's not true. That's not so. Amen. God, everything that happens in this world is not the will of God or planned and ordained of God. It was the will of God for the children of Israel to be in the promised land. But they limited God and tied God's hands. Psalm 41 or Psalm 78, 41 says that they limited the Holy One of Israel. They turned back and limited the Holy One of Israel. And it's what Andy said tonight. God does what we allow Him to do. Do you know you can limit God working in your life? You can tie the hands of God and hinder Him from working in your life. Somebody says, well, God's just going to do in my life what He wants to do. He will do in your life what you believe Him to do, what you have faith for Him to do, what you ask Him to do. Is anybody here? It's not this just case, sarah, sarah, whatever will be, will be. We need to get some faith and we need to get some backbone and we need to stand up and believe the promises of God. We've got an enemy out there that we're standing against, ladies and gentlemen. There's principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world that we are doing spiritual warfare against. And you better suit up in the full armor of God and take a stand against the wiles of the enemy and use the weapons of your warfare to overcome the works of darkness in your life. Amen. We often spend more time, a longer time in the wilderness than God intends. The main reason for Israel spending 40 years in the wilderness, and the Bible tells us what it was, unbelief. Hebrews 3.19, the writer of Hebrews, I believe it's Paul. Some others don't, but I do. Hebrews 3.19 The writer said, so we see that they, speaking of Israel, could not enter because of unbelief. Hebrews 4. Let me read that. I don't know if I wrote this down for them. Hebrews 4 and 2. Listen to this verse. Hebrews 4 and 2. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us. As well as to them, speaking of Israel, but the word which they heard did not profit them. Why? Not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. So I swore, verse 3, so I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Why? Why? Because they didn't mix faith with the word that God gave them. 
it was not mixed with faith. So the word that they heard did not profit them. You can sit here tonight. People sit here on Sunday mornings and they hear the gospel preached. But everybody that hears it preached is not getting any benefit from it. Everybody's not. Amen. The seed's being sown. But it's your responsibility. It's the responsibility of those who hear to take that word into their heart and mix faith with it and believe what it says. Amen. There's got to be a believing. There's got to be a a believing of the word of God. Nobody will be saved. Nobody will be born again unless they believe what the Bible says about what Jesus did at Calvary. They've got to believe that. They've got to mix faith with that. They've got to accept that. Nobody is going to be delivered from the powers of darkness unless they believe what the Word of God says. So we must take the Word. Just hearing the Word's not good enough, ladies and gentlemen. Thank God we hear, but we've got to be doers of the Word as well. There must be a mixing of faith with what we hear, or we're going to spend a long time in that wilderness. If we're determined to do what we want to, push the Word of God aside and say, well, I just don't believe that well we're going to spend a long long time in the wilderness when we could be camping in Canaan's land come on hallelujah it's Sunday night I got the good crowd here so I'm build you up and give you some meat of the word all right some of them folks that come just every once in a while on Sunday choke to death Praise God. We know the story of Numbers 13, 14 that they wouldn't enter in. God said because of unbelief, but they believed the negative report of the ten spies. You remember that. They said we can't take the land because the giants are there. They spied it out for 40 days, come back. Caleb and Joshua said, yeah, we can do it. The rest of them said, no. And they convinced everybody because they focused on the giants more than they did on God and the Word and the promises. They had the promise of God. They had the Word of God. The gospel was preached to them. The good news, the land is yours. I've given you a land that flows with milk and honey. Go in and take it. They had the gospel preached, but they didn't mix any faith with it. They didn't believe the promises of God. And because of unbelief, they lost everything and Two to three million people died in the wilderness because of unbelief. Unbelief will keep us in the wilderness of defeat. Unbelief will keep us in the wilderness of sickness and fear and bondage to sin and addiction. Unbelief will keep us in the wilderness, the dry place, the desert place, in our experience with the Lord. A place where we won't have the joy that we need to have, that God wants us to have. The joy of our salvation. Unbelief will keep us from experiencing and enjoying the benefits and the fullness of the promises of God and the blessings of God in our life. Doubt and unbelief prevent us from moving out of the place of just enough to the place of more than enough. They had just enough in the wilderness. They were provided for in the wilderness, but God wanted them to come out of the wilderness and go into the promised land that flowed with milk and honey that was a land of more than enough, not just enough. It was a bountiful supply. And that's how God wants to bless His church and His people. Can I get an amen tonight.
Hallelujah. Unbelief is the culprit. But listen, the cure, and I'm almost done, so hang on. The cure for the long season in the wilderness. That cure for that is what? What is the cure? Putting our faith in the promises of God. Putting our faith in what the Word of God says. Putting our faith in what Jesus has done for us. The victory that He has won for us at the cross. And keeping our faith anchored in Him. Believe what the Bible says. Don't question it. It's truth. Don't question it. Believe it. Thank Him for it. Claim the promises as your very own. When you're reading your Bible, hopefully you do every day. When you're reading your Bible every day, when you see a promise or something that that the Lord speaks to you, lay claim to that. Thank God for that. Say, I believe that, Lord. That's for me. I thank you for it. I receive that in Jesus' name. Believe that promise. Amen. Tell the devil. Tell the devil. Sometimes you got to talk to the devil. Amen. you got to tell him, I don't care what you say. I don't care what the situation looks like. I don't care how big the giants are that stand before me. I believe God. I believe the Word. I believe God is with me, and if God be for me, who can be against me? I believe that the greater one lives on the inside of me. Hallelujah. And through Jesus, I will tread down those enemies. I'm coming out of my wilderness. I'm coming into the blessings that God's provided for me through Jesus and through what he has done at Calvary. See, focusing on the problem and focusing on how huge and insurmountable it is will keep you in the wilderness a long long time and Satan will tell you that you can't overcome it Satan will tell you that you'll never come out you'll never have the victory over that sin Satan will tell you your prayer will never be answered and that need will never be met but I'm here to encourage you today that you if you will get a hold of his word and believe what he's done for you at the cross if you will believe that in the face of all opposition what God says said and what he's done if you'll not waver if you'll not doubt if you'll rebuke doubt and anything that is in opposition to what God has promised you I'm telling you what God will work in your life you'll come out of that wilderness and you'll come across that Jordan and you'll cross into the blessings the fullness of God in your life come on amen give the Lord a good praise tonight Woo! Oh, when you read in the Bible about that woman with that issue of blood, a long season, 12 years, she is in that wilderness with that disease. 12 years trying every doctor, every physician, every clinic, every new medication, every treatment that they had, and was nothing better but rather grew worse. The only thing that happened to her through those doctors was they took all of her money. They're still good at that. Praise God. But 
but she went through that wilderness for a long, long time. But you know what? She finally one day got a hold of some faith. And she, t- she heard that Jesus was coming through town. And what was it she did? Remember what she did? She said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, if I can just touch his clothes, I know I'll be made whole. She didn't say, I hope so. She didn't say, maybe so. She didn't say, I think so. But she said, if I can touch the border of his garment, I'm coming out of this wilderness. I know I'll be made whole. And she made the effort to go out and touch the hem of the garment of Jesus. She stopped the Son of God in his tracks. The virtue of Christ flowed into her body. And Jesus said, daughter, be of good comfort. Your faith has brought you out of the wilderness and your faith has made you whole. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Oh, Paul and Silas got locked up in that Philippian jail, but they didn't spend a very long time in the wilderness. Come on, somebody. They had a wilderness experience. They were striped and whipped and beaten and put in stocks in the inner dungeon of that prison. But oh, Paul looked at Silas and he said, Well, you know, we're in a little bit of a bind here tonight. Looks like, you know, we need to get out of here so we can continue on with the ministry that God has has given us to do. Silas, what do you think we are to do? And Silas said to Paul, well, I don't know, Paul, what do you think? We can't stay here in this dungeon. We got souls to win. We got a gospel to preach. And he said, I tell you what let's do. Let's just begin to praise the Lord and have a little uh, have a little praise service and sing a few songs. And they begin to praise and they begin to sing and they begin to release faith through their praise and their thanksgiving and oh it wasn't long that a wilderness experience was over because God shook that jailhouse every prisoner's bands were loose the doors of the prison flew open and Paul and Silas came out of that wilderness won the jailer and his family to the Lord and went on preaching and had revival in Philippi yeah you're going in the wilderness but you don't have to stay a long time. Give him praise tonight. Man, I feel that all over me tonight. I don't know if I've helped anybody else, but I've preached myself happy. I've helped me if I ain't helped nobody else. Come on, amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Galatians 6 and 9. Worship team, make your way on back if you would, please. I was praying here in the, service, in the sanctuary this morning, seeking the Lord about some things, questioning the Lord about some things, asking the Lord about some things. And the Lord spoke this verse to me just so happens it's in the notes of my message. And let us not, Galatians 6, 9, and let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season, for in due season, we shall reap 
if we faint not. Hallelujah. And the Lord said, that due season will come if you don't faint, if you don't give up, if you won't get weary, if you won't stop believing God, that due season will come. So I ask you tonight, have you been a little long in the wilderness? Maybe your season there has been a little lengthy. But you know what? I believe tonight that God has spoken to us. That season in the wilderness is about to be over. God wants to bring you to the fullness of His blessing. To a land of promises. To a land of fullness. To a land of milk and honey. Hallelujah. Old, old song we used to sing back Back at the old church down on Ellis Street, 1012 South Ellis, Cape Girada. The place I got saved. The place I spent a many a time in wonderful worship of God. The place that I preached my very first message in that church. Where I was a youth pastor and a youth leader, they called us back in those days. But an old song we used to sing. Every day I'm camping in the land of Canaan. Hallelujah. And with wonder I survey its wondrous beauty grand. Glory, hallelujah. I found the land of promise. And I'm camping, I'm camping in Canaan's happy land. Woo! He said, I've left the land of Egypt through the darkness dreary, all over hills and valleys and across the desert sand. I've been led by Jesus to this blessed land of story. I'm camping. I'm camping in Canaan's happy land. How many is in Canaan's land tonight? Somebody said, well, Canaan's land's heaven. No, 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 no. Heaven, there won't be no enemies. There won't be no Girgashites and Amorites and Hittites and Perizzites and Termites. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. No, Canaan land's the land of God's fullness and blessing for your life. Let's stand tonight. Praise God. They're going to sing. Let's worship the Lord a little bit tonight. Praise God. If you've been in a wilderness, it's time to come out. And I believe if you'll lift your hands and praise Him and thank Him for what He's doing for you, that the Lord, the Lord will bring you out of that wilderness tonight. Oh, He's got something good. He's got something good. He's got something good for every one of you tonight. Let's worship Him, church. Let's worship Him.